And so the mission of Global Sisterhood is not Lauren and I's mission. It's a mission that is of women of the world. It's a collective calling in the heart to band together. It's something that's ancient. It's something that's old. It's something that's wise beyond belief. It's connected to nature and to the cosmos and to this infinitely divine story of creation and for each one. And this mission has a series of information that is available to those that open their heart, whether they've heard of Global Sisterhood, the company, or whether they live in a mountaintop far away. And if you begin to make contact with this energy through whatever means life presents you, you will receive information about what is happening on this planet, what is taking place amongst women, how we need to come together in sisterhood, and how you do that. And then life presents you with opportunities to actually overcome these things, to heal these things, to work with other women, to be in circle, to share vulnerably, to take care of our earth, to become a steward of sisterhood. It's something that is available. And so I started, I guess, going to the school of the global sisterhood around the time I met Lauren, maybe slightly before, but I felt like I really received this mission and receiving this mission is it's something different than just knowing it conceptually in your mind, because it's so much deeper than that. It's, it's something that, like I said, is ancient. And so the language of it is not so much verbal as it is felt. Prophecies have foretold, and wisdom keepers all know, that the rise of the feminine will restore balance to our world. In this podcast, we are on a journey to understand the root of the imbalance that has caused disconnection and dysfunction within our humanity, so we can emerge as leaders, creating a new story on Earth. I'm Lauren Walsh. And I'm Shayna Connors. With humble hearts and open minds, we will converse with spiritual teachers, historians, psychologists, revolutionaries, leaders, and healers to navigate these evolving times and reintegrate the feminine history that we have forgotten. Welcome to the Time of the Feminine podcast. Hey, hey, welcome to another episode of the Time of the Feminine podcast. Today, we have a very real and raw, deep and beautiful conversation with you. And before we get started, I would love to introduce our new sponsor, goddesswell.co. Goddesswell creates the highest quality of women's products for your highest self specifically formulated by women for women to complement our inherent self-healing power, specifically focusing on PMS, menopause, hormone and moon support and urinary tract health. So what I love about this company is the intentionality within the medicine and the high, high quality of CBD that's within each capsule. So there's various lines. There's the harmony line for harmony and mood. There's the radiance line for PMS and menopause relief. There's the serenity line for UTI relief. And each capsule has two times more CBD than in any other capsule on the market, plus high quality essential oils to 
target and support relieving all of these various women's hormonal and sexual health issues. So for me, every day I take the harmony pill for mood and hormone aid. And I say a little prayer and I connect with the medicine and I connect with the aliveness of the essential oils. And I ask for help with what I'm going through right now in my woman's health journey. And I feel like I'm giving myself the care and the attention I need. And so what's so cool about Goddess Well and Marcella, the owner's connection with Global Sisterhood is she's a Global Sisterhood facilitator herself. And she has made it available for the Global Sisterhood community to buy one product and get one free using the code SISTERHOOD. That means we get to buy one for ourselves, and we get to buy one with the condition of giving it to a sister to spread the love, to spread the health, and to deepen our circle of women who are healing ourselves and transforming the world. So go to goddesswell.co, use the code SISTERHOOD, and buy one and get one free to give to a friend. All right, now let's get going with the show. Hello, beauties. Welcome back to another episode of the Time of the Feminine podcast. This is Lauren here, and today I am hanging out with me, <laughs> yeah. Shayna, my sister. And we're going to talk about our journey of building global sisterhood and what we've learned about building a feminine business and the challenges and the takeaways and the rewards. And so we're just going to dive into that right now. I'm going to start. Go for with it. Asking you a question. What do you think you've developed most from, from leading an organization? Wow. I mean, there's been so many lessons but the current lesson that is super, super real is that I have to factor myself and my well-being into the business. Like I have to prioritize my needs in the business. Otherwise, the longevity of me being able to serve is not very long because I burn out. So that's my my current one. And I've also learned that I'm not that important. <laughs> and I don't mean that in like a condescending mean way to myself. I mean that in like a relieving way. Like I'm not that important. Like what I do is not that big of a deal. It's okay if I mess up. It's okay if um, I don't feel well one day. It's okay if I want to change directions. It's okay if I... Yeah, it's just, it's okay. I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to give everything to this. It's not as important as sometimes I have made it out to be. Mm -hmm. I think that second one, just to kind of expand on what you're saying, and maybe you can say something if this feels off, but it's almost, it's self-importance, right? In development, like you grow up kind of with this, narrow view of reality because everything is about you. That's like how you understand the world. But I understand too, when you're running a business, especially one called global sisterhood, it's easy to take the weight of the world into your being and to feel like whatever you do has mass ripples. And of course, everything has ripples. I, I believe that even the most micro thing has ripples and yet it's all okay. It's all okay 
because in the greater scheme of thing, it's just a tiny grain of sand. So does that resonate? Yeah, it does resonate. And yes, okay, I think bringing in the name Global Sisterhood is really important. Yeah. It's called Global Sisterhood. <laughs> and it's a huge name. And the virtue of having something called Global Sisterhood is that there was a lot of learning to step into being able to hold something like that. And mm -hmm. a lot of humbling, so much humbling, especially as a white woman. Like, wow, my reality is so much different than other women's. And what can I do to humble myself and really listen and really learn so that I can walk in integrity with being able to say, I run an organization that's called Global Sisterhood that encourages women to take off their masks and enter into brave space together. And if I'm going to walk that, I have to do that. And that has been probably the biggest blessing, actually. And I think, I think in like, um, if I'm going to be really honest, when I first had the inclination to step out of my shell and shine and share my gifts with the world. And I had that like kind of innocent, like, it's my time. I want to share, you know, which I think so many women are in that place. I looked on social media and I looked at what people were doing and I was like, well, if I'm going to do it, I have to do it like that. And I have to be somebody. And when I say I'm not that important, it's not that I'm denying how awesome I am and how much awesome work I've done. It's that I don't have to feel important. You know, I feel like I'm enough now versus feeling like I need to have a certain amount of likes on Instagram or a certain amount of followers or a certain amount of money that we're making to feel like what I'm doing is of worth. Mm -hmm. Well, it's not even about outcome. It's like, I'm enough regardless of if global sisterhood succeeds. You know, right. I'm, I think, I think that's the biggest lesson I've learned through this, honestly. And I, and that's such a valuable uh. lesson. I'm super grateful for that, but I learned it through blood, sweat, and tears of not knowing that and getting so upset when somebody wasn't happy with one of our services or somebody was criticizing me or whatever. Like I'm still working through and building that resilience and the resilience feels awesome. It feels like I'm cultivating a deep sense of I love myself and I love my life and global sisterhood does not define my worthiness. Mm. So I want to get more specific about this because I think a lot of women can probably relate our modern culture where everyone's kind of criticizing and judging and even if they're on the same team, this is what I find so like eye roll annoying because I'm like, dude, we're on the same team. Like, why do you have to be so judgmental and criticize when it kind of seems antithetical for what, what you're for? So let's talk about that. I'm curious about your process. You know, when women do criticize, if we post something on Instagram and people do say something, because I know you've been on that journey and like, how did you begin to start? First of all, how did you deal with it originally? And then what happened through the process? Like what changed for you? Well, originally I was hedging. I wasn't speaking what I wanted to speak. Why? Because I was scared of not being liked. I was scared of being okay. hated. I was scared of people also thinking I was arrogant 
and self-centered and wanted attention because I historically have wanted a lot of attention. That's a real thing. Like I grew up in a home where I, oh God, there's so much going on. Everybody who listens to the podcast knows I had a tumultuous upbringing and I needed attention. And so I learned how to perform for it. And so I had a spiritual awakening. And as I was learning and people were giving me feedback, they're like, I feel like you're performing. And so I really learned how to channel my gifts in a way that was like actually like channeling rather than performance. And it required a lot of silence and it required a lot of self-study. And so that for a long time, I was terrified that if I put myself front and center out there, I spoke everything I wanted to speak, that people who knew me or people who didn't know me would just think, oh, that girl just wants attention. Because to me, that was like the worst shadow there was to want attention. But now as I've done more trauma work, I'm like, oh, how sweet. I wanted attention. That's nice. That's sweet. I'm glad my little girl like went around learning how to get attention. She needed that. And, you know, it's a long kind of roundabout thing about that. But with putting, starting, I remember in like the early days of Global Sisterhood, pre-Shana, Shana came and made it all so much better. But pre-Shana, I remember wanting to share things and needing to like sugarcoat it a little bit so that people could digest it. I didn't think that people were ready for what we had to say or what I wanted to say. And so I kept finding creative ways to kind of sugarcoat it, but then we just sounded generic. <laughs> you know, we just kind of sounded like everybody else. And when we first started, women's circles weren't that big of a thing. I mean, obviously they're ancient. Obviously there's been a revival of them since the feminist movement, but they were not like they are now. Global Sisterhood, I will say, has made a huge dent and a huge impact in that way. After 2016, when we had a huge event, women's circles have been way more common in spiritual circles since then. And before that, we had to just kind of like convince people about them. We had to like be like, this is what it is. This is why you might want to join it. And it was kind of hard to get people to even understand why they would ever do that. And so that was frustrating because I felt like there was so much more depth we could be talking about, but I spent so much time just trying to convince people that they wanted to circle. And then when COVID hit, it was like, in a way, relieving for me, if I'm going to be honest. Like a lot of people were terrified and rightly so and, and sad. And there was a lot that was happening. And I was like, oh, okay, good, good. All right. We're all connected for the first time in my life in our vulnerability. Nobody is immune to this. No country, no class is immune to this. And we are connected in our humanness. And so now we're not distracted by the petty, worthless things that keep us from being connected to one another. And now we can start talking about the real things. And that was like a huge relief for me. And I started finding the courage to speak out more and share more of what I wanted to say. And from there also, the, the climate of division started happening too, even more on social media and cancel culture and all of that. So there was moments where we would speak or, and we'd have the courage and there was moments where we wouldn't. And 
the moments that I have had the courage to say certain things that people weren't saying, like specifically like around compassion for men in the ways that we've said it, I have been called out, which I've spoken about, but it's happened numerous times and that's been challenging. And also when a woman criticizes something in a program or yeah, there's been a lot of, I mean, I mean, over the years, I cannot even tell you how much criticism we've gotten so much, but also way more thanks, way more thanks. And it's funny when you are used to judging yourself, the criticism weighs way heavier than the thanks and the appreciations, even if the appreciations is like 95%, the 5% criticism can really linger. So it's been learning how to love myself through that, which has been a great exercise in learning to love myself, period. Yeah, because it seems like the criticism now, it's like bullying almost. And I have been really happy because Lauren does a lot of the writing for social and for emails. and, And so she's kind of on the front lines using her voice. And yeah, it seems like you just have a different way with it now. I mean, I know it's still hard because we've had moments this summer where it was hard, but but it seems like you can, I don't know, navigate it in a more, more proficiency in your navigation. Thank you. I am curious about you. Like, hmm. What has been one of the greatest challenges working for Global Sisterhood and what have you learned about yourself? The first one that came to mind was idealism because I think global sisterhood is really interesting because I actually think to, to serve it correctly, you need to receive global sisterhood. And right after I met Lauren, I felt like I received global sisterhood. I had already started, but then when I met her, there was something else and global sisterhood continues to pour herself into you. Yeah. Share more specifically about that. Like get more detailed about that, please. So Global Sisterhood is, you know, it's not living and breathing in the sense that we know things to be living and breathing, but it has a essence. You know, I believe that each idea, even thought is its own thing. And when you pour attention into something, when you pour love into something, it creates something that is, it's not tangible. You can't see it. You can't touch it, but it's, it's real. And so the mission of Global Sisterhood is not Lauren and I's mission. It's a mission that is of women of the world. It's a collective calling in the heart to band together. It's something that's ancient. It's something that's old. It's something that's wise beyond belief. It's connected to nature and to the cosmos and to this infinitely divine story of creation and for each one. And this mission has a series of information that is available to those that open their heart, whether they've heard of Global Sisterhood, the company, or whether they live in a mountaintop far away. And if you begin to make contact with this energy through whatever means life presents you, you will receive information about what is happening on this planet, what is taking place amongst women, how we need to come together in sisterhood, and how you do that. And then life presents you with opportunities to actually overcome these things, to heal these things, to work with other women, to be in circle, to share vulnerably, to take care of our earth, to become a steward of sisterhood. It's something that is available. And so 
I started, I guess, going to the school of the global sisterhood around the time I met Lauren, maybe slightly before, but I felt like I really received this mission and receiving this mission is it's something different than just knowing it conceptually in your mind, because it's so much deeper than that. It's, it's something that, like I said, is ancient. And so the language of it is not so much verbal as it is felt. And I think when I joined Global Sisterhood, like coming back to the question, I had this sense of idealism because right when I started receiving the download, I also started pouring into it everything I had ever learned about technology and about systems and about communities and about different ways that we could leverage all these things and put it together and build this like massive network of women around the world and how we could do it in this new feminine way. And, and I think I learned that humility actually is the path towards building anything great because with humility, you receive something that is beyond you, which is so beautiful. And this walk takes patience. You know, it's like, I I think about, uh, you know, great cathedrals, like how long they took to build sometimes even into other lifetimes, like the original uh, ideator was no longer even in form. And so sometimes these things take time. And this mission is something that was received by women far before us. And we are now the stewards that are picking up like a rope that was left for us and continuing to walk forward with other women while carrying this thing. Right. Cause it's not, it's not just us now. It's our facilitators. It's women who also receive like Shana is so beautifully speaking about the mission, the transmission of the global sisterhood. That's again, so much more than any type of legal entity or structure. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, you know, like in talking about businesses, this is the part that's so interesting about all of it in this current state of the world that we're in. You have to put all these things within a box. We had to take global sisterhood and make it an entity. We had to give it a trademark. And many of these things didn't make sense to my idealistic mind. I wanted it to be something that was free and open and people could share and use it. And maybe that is something that will happen in the future, but at the time of creation and stewardship, you know, that we were in four years ago, it wasn't like that. And, or at least it wasn't easy to create something like that. And I didn't, I didn't see a clear way. You know, I think a lot of the guidance that I've received and Lauren's received is like to follow the path of ease. And sometimes just things aren't ready and that's okay. And so I guess, yeah, letting go of this, not letting go, but realizing that idealism is great, but humility is maybe even more important. And that if I can walk with that humility that I can also maybe receive and be guided into what thing is most ready to be present. Does that make sense? Absolutely. That was the most beautiful way I've ever heard you speak about global sisterhood ever. (laughs) It was super perfect. And it's interesting too, to pick up on the conversation about feminine business, because the way you spoke about it and the way we relate to it, and this is just truth, we we relate to it as a spiritual path, which has been really interesting. And the reason being is 
again, this transmission of receiving, this idea that has its consciousness, that has its mission. So I think it's like that book Elizabeth Gilbert wrote, Big Magic, where she talks about these creative ideas that come knocking on our door and they don't leave us alone. They have this consciousness all of their own and they come to teach us and they need a channel, a, a willing participant to bring them into form. Global Sisterhood is like that. And if you're listening to this, your idea that keeps knocking on your door, this vision you have, this inspiration you have, that's not leaving you alone, when you open to it to receive it, it is a mystical experience. And then birthing it into matter is like a messy, bloody birthing experience. And birthing it into this imperfect world and these imperfect systems can be super triggering and disheartening at times when you're trying to create something as beautiful as your vision and you are having to face and encounter and transmute the hardships of living in the matter and living in this colonialist capital capitalist world. And so I feel like while global sisterhood has been this spiritual path, it's also been this super powerful school for me about the real world and about how to build, how to build, you know, it's like, there's something to building that is, you know, we see how much extraction and building is taking place at the expense of peoples and of nature. And so one thing we've studied is how do we build in harmony with nature and harmony with cycles and also the speed of spirit, which is such an act of trust because the speed of our culture is so, 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 so fast. So to create with your idea and let the idea guide the idea teach you, the idea get you ready. You take steps, you mess up, you change direction, you take more steps, you mess up. Little things happen. There's there's twists and turns. And to allow the speed of spirit to guide it is a very feminine practice versus like, you know, receiving venture capital finance and needing to 10x in three years. It's like a completely different model and it requires so much trust. And for us, it's also required patrons, supporters. At times we have had incredible people, people we love very much, support us financially so that we can go to the next level, so that we can try a new thing. And this has been incredibly valuable for us as well. So it's been this open to trust that if this movement, if this school, if this project wants to thrive, allow it to thrive versus forcing it to fit into some kind of picture. Mm -hmm. But then in some ways it, it needed to fit into some kind of picture. So maybe you can tell me about the experience that we had from your perspective of like back in the day, Global Sisterhood was spending a bunch of money, weren't making any money. Then we were thinking about getting venture capital money. Then we lost everything. 
to then rebuilding. Because in a way, I think venture capital, it's like almost like using pesticides and then doing it a way where you self-harvest is like organic farming. You know, it's, they're different. Like, but the thing is, it's like pesticides, we can make it wrong. Like, I don't think venture capital's wrong, but it does kind of distort things in the same way that maybe like a GMO. So it so depends. And it depends on the person and the people and the, the mission, because sometimes things need to grow fast. Yeah. Sometimes it's a competitive market and you just need to get your beautiful cancer healing scientific product out as quickly as possible because there's other people that are coming to market and so you need the money quickly. And I don't think any of those things are wrong, but maybe if you can share from your experience about what the journey was like, you know, in that transition period. It's kind of hilarious because it was like we were merging our two worlds. Like when I met Shana, she worked. Yeah, maybe share about that. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting to share a little bit about where you were in life right before Global Sisterhood. So why don't you share a little bit about that? So Shana was a businesswoman. I went to business school. And then after that, I lived in New York City and I worked in finance. I was on a spiritual path for sure and was definitely seeking, but in the confines of my business world. I was always a little different. And then I moved to San Francisco because I was, I had health challenges. I had Lyme disease. And I actually think like looking back, the Lyme disease was directing me towards my path of getting out of this culture. I think sickness does that. I think sickness is actually a message from your body telling you what you sh should actually be doing. And that kind of comes from taking care of oneself. So as a businesswoman, I got sick, I moved to San Francisco, and then I thought I was going to leave the business world to work uh, with plants, to work in farming. And that didn't happen. I ended up going to the venture capital fund of the business that I was working for. And they focused in the future of work in AI and new technologies that improved people's work experiences and also like the efficiency of working. And I learned a lot. But what I learned the most about <laughs> was how, as a woman, I felt like I didn't belong. And so I started a big self-inquiry. There was all kinds of serendipitous things that happened, like a meditation group meeting in my office. I ended up going on a silent meditation retreat. Me Too began and women started coming out about their experiences in the workplace. And I started to see things firsthand and had had experiences that had happened to me directly and saw how the feminine was kind of left out of the workplace, the essence of the feminine. Women were at work, but the feminine was absent. And so I began to notice where the feminine was absent inside of myself. And that was mostly entirely absent. And yeah, magic happened. I met a man who introduced me to Lauren and he connected us. I remember this is like a little bit of a precursor or not a precursor. This is like a little bit further in the sequence of when I met Shayna. But I remember driving down the Warren Boulevard in Austin, talking about how emotional I had been. And she's like, you are really emotional. I don't cry very much. And now Shayna cries all the time. I was like, oh, you will. 
you will cry when you when you open up to that feminine you will cry all the time but i cry more often i do i cry more often it feels so good too i cried yesterday it felt so good you i mean crying all the time to me is a win (laughs) i'm not saying you're like oh cry baby but (laughs) shane is a cry baby y'all so okay so i meet shana and shana had a lot less feminine in her she was feminine in body and interested in things but she really was a very highly intelligent highly skilled adaptable woman who made it to a very 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 top level position and left everything left so much security to come into the global sisterhood in a time where I was really struggling deeply. So in this abbreviated version of a very archetypal, beautiful story of the beginning days of global sisterhood, uh, Lauren had created this movement. This movement lived within another organization. This organization was run by men. They had ultimate authority over what the movement was, how it was governed, and the influence over the money, especially the money. So when I met Lauren, she was in a legal process of separating the entity of Global Sisterhood from this larger uh, movement platform. And she didn't have as much authority as she does now to make decisions. It was really a lot of a negotiation to get Global Sisterhood free of these claws, (laughs) these claws that had been stuck into its flesh. But really, when we met, Global Sisterhood was in the process of becoming its own entity for the very first time. And so a lot of what was inherited was also the ways that this movement was run before Lauren had autonomy to run it. Right. Thank you. That was very well said. In this period, can I, I imagine many of you have worked in corporate environments or have been to school where when you're trying to be feminine forward, when you're trying to bring intuition, when you're trying to bring empathy, uh, being belittled by the masculine, the out of balance masculine within these organizations, that was my experience in the beginning of Global Sisterhood. It was really like I had to go through a deep initiation of understanding like very viscerally what we as women are up against as we liberate the feminine essence. And so I have an incredible education in that, as do all of us. And when Shana came, I knew I needed a woman, but I also knew, or I felt at the time, that I needed somebody who was more business savvy because for me, I was a ceremonialist, a ritualist, a trauma-informed healer, I worked very personally one-on-one and I birthed this idea that took off that was then controlled. And when I fought for the liberation of it and to be in integrity with what it stood for, feminine freedom, the feminine medicine, I knew I needed a woman by my side who had the type of skill set that Shana had cultivated. And so when we came, we were like these magnets to one another. You know, she learned a lot more masculinity. I had been more feminine. 
we both were wounded in certain ways and together through our relationship we have become more balanced and more integrated with masculine and feminine both of us and not gonna lie there was some tumultuous meeting of that in one another and dynamics of like <laughs> just you can just imagine i'm sure you do i'm sure you already know we, we had many a hard moment together but because shana so deeply and authentically received the calling she received the transmission we could always find a deeper more authentic place to connect that was rooted in the authenticity and the love for the vision that we'd both seen that's possible with a global sister and what's possible when women gather and when women really commit to each other in sisterhood. And so this common shared value really guided us through and it has been our sisterhood that created so much of what global sisterhood is today. And it was a very interesting process for me too, because I had to let a lot of things die and not so like graceful, cute ways. Not that death is always graceful and cute, but sometimes death can be quite relieving and sometimes it can be full of suffering. And I think the process of us getting to where we are now had both. And, and a lot of what I let die were these old belief not even belief systems, because I don't even know if I fully held them within my own being, but these ideas about how a business ought to be. And I think Lauren and I, through our, through our meeting of energies, were able to kind of allow ourselves to become vulnerable enough to really feel into what felt good for us. Because when you yeah. take a mission like this on, it's so easy to just want to serve and to be people who are service oriented and care about the greater well-being of people. It's easy to let yourself suffer in hopes that your generosity and giving and kindness is going to somehow pay you back. And the thing is, if you don't take care of yourself, if you don't nourish yourself, you will just be brittle and barren and have a really hard time. It's not easy to continue in that way. And no. so we've kind of now formed this new way of being through our journey. And one thing I think that we worked out together, which is fascinating to me, I don't know how much we've talked about this, Shana, but I'd love your thoughts on it because I'm putting words to it for the first time, but it was like the trauma in our psyches of the critical masculine the cr that criticizes work or says that's not possible or what you're doing is stupid or there's no real data behind that or blah 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 like i feel like we through the way global sisters started and from where you came we both have this trauma of the critical male gaze on pawn work and it was like learning how to filter that out of our psyche is to be in love with the work. Right. And what I find interesting about even hearing you say that is Lauren's work right now with Global Sisterhood is all around data. And so it's interesting how we move through the cycles. Yeah, it is. I've come full circle. Right. How we move through the cycles and you can drop the unhealthy aspects of something, then you can move into right relationship with it. Yeah. 
Global sisterhood feels so good right now. It feels like, uh, it feels like a maturation. It feels like balanced in the masculine feminine energy. It feels free. It feels uh, the best it's ever felt by a lot. So I want to ask about other women that are listening that might have a business that let's talk to two different women, the women that have a desire to create. What do you have to say to them about like where they can get to within themselves to have the courage to step into it? And also yeah. what about the women that are actively running a business? So I'll start with the women who are actively running a business. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. A million thank yous. If you don't get enough thank yous every day, here's another thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. Cause I know what you're doing is heart led and heart centered and you're bringing the feminine into business. And that is emerging. That is so, so needed. And so thank you a million times. Kisses on the cheek, hugs, high fives, high kick. Keep going, keep going. And I have like practical advice and I have more spiritual advice. The spiritual advice is you're important. Pay yourself, pay yourself. And you don't have to be good at everything. You can have people help you. If you're not great at spreadsheets, if you're not great at building a website, there are people who are great at that stuff. And it doesn't make you any less of a business person. If you're still learning about finance or if you're still learning about internet funnels or whatever it is, you do not have to be an expert. I have learned how to do things just by trial and error. Where, where my genius is, is definitely not business actually it's not business it's being with people it's being with women it's healing it's transformation but i've learned business and my thing just my my biggest piece of advice for you is to believe in yourself find help when you need help and pay yourself the money money pay yourself for sure because that's an exchange of energy and you want to ensure that you have enough energy to keep going and feeling inspired. So that's my advice for you. And for the women who have the beautiful idea knocking on their door, I want you to know you're enough for that idea. In fact, that idea wouldn't even be knocking on your door if you weren't more than enough. And yes, maybe that idea is here to grow you. Maybe this idea, the more you open to it, the more you take a step, the more you lean into bringing this idea through your body and into form. Maybe there's big lessons, big healings for you, but trust that this idea wouldn't come to you if you weren't the person for it. So that means you are more than enough. You are totally worthy and if there's things that you don't fully understand or see or don't know, each step is going to take you. My next piece of advice, and this is going against our own sales pitch in many ways, but you don't need training. You don't need more schooling. You don't need anything other than what you already have. 
Now, that being said, if you want to get certified in something because it sounds awesome to you or you want to go deeper in something, do that for you. Not, Don't do that just to wait to get started. If you have an idea, start now and get more education as you go. So that is my advice to you. And I want to pass it to Shayna to give her advice. Let failing be okay. This is for everybody. Let failing be okay. Let it be okay to be in a beginner's mind, to learn something new every day and to be not good at things. I actually think this is one of the more fun parts if you let it be and to celebrate the wins, even the small wins, to really take a minute to sit there and acknowledge the progress, the success, the feeling that you pass through because it's so easy to let those just fall away and to move on. And so that's what I have. Well, I certainly hope that in a hundred years time, 200 years time that business has changed from the inside out due to women. And I believe it starts right now with all of us. And I just want to paint a picture of this vision I received a few years ago, but it's a very industrial structure. And I see it as like the system of our world, this capitalistic structure of power. And so it's full of pipes and you know, like sewage and connecting points and reminds me of like a 1900s, like industrial warehouse. But then in the vision, I saw that you could plant seeds within the pipes. And then what happens is that flowers start to blossom out of these pipes and the whole system begins to change. There's life that begins to form in this seemingly dead ecosystem. And so this is what we're doing. We're planting the seeds and with these seeds comes change. And so we're all here for the change and for the belief that we're enough to be it. Uh, can I channel the great mother now? <laughs> Please. So Lauren, if you were to channel the great mother in this moment and receive a message for all of the women, what would she say through you? Have faith. Have faith. Each step open in faith. Each step open to receive the help that is all around you. With a breath, with a pause, with a prayer. Help is here, and everything you need is here right now. Our world could be a place where we could all share resources, where we could leverage technology to build things far beyond our wildest imaginations, or we could give resource to those that need and fuel inspiration when it seeks, that we could have healthy waters and lands and people, and that all of our creations 
can serve this. And we should have gratitude for each step of the way, for everything that happens, whether we perceive it to be good or hard, that we may have gratitude because this is all coming for our own learning. This is all coming for the betterment of each one. And if we can have gratitude, we can start to see the silver linings within it all. And so it is. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Time in the Feminine podcast. For listening to Shana and I jam and flow. Thank you for listening to this entire episode. And we hope to hang out with you next Thursday. Talk to you soon, loves. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Time of the Feminine podcast. It is such an honor every time to be able to host these conversations and to share the stories of the beautiful people we get the opportunity to interview. And so if you enjoyed this podcast, please go ahead and leave us a review. You can do so on Apple Podcasts and write a nice note, or you can do so on Spotify by leaving stars. We so appreciate every single one of you that's taken the effort to go out and to share with others and with our community about how this podcast has touched you. It really means so much to us since for us, this is a labor of love. And so thank you for giving back in that way. Thank you.